0: you've attended council hearings in person you've tuned in to our televised proceedings on channel 13 now you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council with your host josh gibson thank you deep voice person with a funky backbeat indeed this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the Train Track Enclosed Nerve Center. That's the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment. It's also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television, so it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media, at Council of D.C. If you don't follow us already, get with the program. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the D.C. Council is just like your workplace, except with a dais. On the show, we'll try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. Uh, listeners, as you know, we've re- nearly wrapped up our first, second, and third round of interviews with council members. They're available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Those focus mainly on getting to know the council members, their backgrounds and biographies, successes, and struggles. In the third round, we're focusing on the people at the council, colleagues, coworkers, community leaders, and the like. Um, And a disclaimer, we shared the general questions in advance so that the council members could prep if they chose to, and council members can pass on a question if they want. Uh, So now without any further ado, uh, let me introduce uh, Ward 2 Councilmember Jack Evans.
1: Josh, great to be here today.
0: Thank you so much for coming back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. so the first question in this round is, um, I wanted to hear a little bit about, uh, who your role models are. And if you could give us an example, uh, someone maybe who you knew in your personal life and maybe someone from the broader world who you, who you didn't have the luck of knowing personally, but who you, uh, someone who you look to.
1: Well, Josh, first of all, thanks for doing this. And it's a real, uh, credit to you and, uh, an important, uh, component of the uh, City Council to be able to talk directly to our constituents and uh, in a personal way so they get to know us beyond just what they see on TV or on the dais. So thanks again for doing this. And I come from a small town up in Pennsylvania. We talked about that in our uh, earlier segments uh, called Nanny Coke, about 8,000 people. um, Grew up there in the 50s and 60s and so when you talk about role models on both local and national level, and uh, immediately comes to mind the uh, teachers I had in school were role models, and particularly I had a uh, history teacher named Steve Allenkoff, who was uh, uh, very, very uh, enthusiastic and informative about uh, history, about politics, and I think uh, as much as anyone was uh, instrumental in my um, being, being involved in politics and, and really uh, uh, pursuing it as a... Uh, as a uh, vocation, as I have done, um, I grew up in those times in the sixties and seventies, and certainly uh, a role model of mine that continues to be to today is robert kennedy he uh, if, as you walk into my office, which you 've done, you see the big poster from the uh, nineteen sixty eight uh, election of uh, Bobby Kennedy when he was running for president
0: absolutely and
1: uh, a role model because of what he stood for and what he what he was uh, he was someone who uh, was always looking out for the little guy, which I think I do. Uh, someone who is was uh, very empathetic, trying to improve the plight of those who were struggling. And as I uh, have had my career in politics in D.C., um, have, have followed those challenges that he has put out there to try and improve the lives of the uh, people that uh, that I live with, work with, and represent on the council. And uh, he certainly had a enormous uh, Uh, charisma that attracted people to him and I believe had he lived he would have been president and the country may have taken a a very different direction uh, at that time. But uh, the entire Kennedy uh, family, John uh, Kennedy, uh, President Kennedy again uh, bringing that new youth energy change imagination to the country, let's go to the moon and they actually did it, that type of thing, is very inspirational so I always uh, look to Individuals like that for role models and and I'd say another one is Winston Churchill. I I quote him constantly as you know, maybe the When I was as I'm chairman of the board of Metro when I became chairman and the mess I found over there I every once in a while would do something right and I'd always say This isn't the uh, end. It's not even the beginning of the end It's perhaps the end of the beginning one of Churchill's most famous quotes and people say well, where's that from? It was at the Battle of al in uh, Africa, North Africa, when it was the very first time in World War II that the uh, British Army actually stopped the German Army, very first time, and that's what Churchill said. This isn't the end or the beginning of the end. Perhaps it's the end of the beginning. And so, uh, another person who again had enormous challenges and was able to face those challenges uh, uh, of rebuilding, you know, Great Britain, etc., after World War One and and World War Two. So those were our role models that I have.
0: A uh, couple follow up questions on the poster. As a as a collector of, of uh, historic artifacts, yep. artifacts, and political paraphernalia, how did you come by that poster?
1: My wife Noel bought it for me at an auction. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I had always liked it. I'd seen it at uh, various places and, and admired it. And so for uh, for my birthday present, uh, probably when I was like thirty something, 35, 40 something, like probably forty. Uh, she purchased it for me and, and gave it to me as a present, and I've hung it uh, in my office ever since, wherever I had a, when I came to the council back in uh, 1991. So again, it's an inspiration. I've met many members of the Kennedy family, work with them right now as we uh, are looking to redevelop uh, the site where uh, RFK Stadium is. Uh, what we'd really like to do is uh, build a new uh, museum to Robert Kennedy uh, at that site, and so I've. Met uh, with many members of the family, particularly his daughter, Kathleen Kennedy. used to be lieutenant governor of Maryland, and uh, her daughter as well. And, uh, right, Kathleen it, Kennedy Townsend. Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, and it's uh, exciting, I, and I, I believe we will get there someday.
0: Right, because how, uh, it's public so what year were you born? 1953. Okay, because I was just trying to track what age you would have been during the campaign.
1: Yeah, so I was, uh, when he was assassinated in 68, so I would have been uh, 15 years old, I guess, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, so uh, kind
0: of a formative age when you were yeah, starting, first starting to pay attention absolutely. to politics. and watching
1: him. Well, I remember, good. it takes you back away. my dad taking my sister and I, this is 1960, so I would have been, what, like seven years old, John Kennedy came through Nanticoke when he was running for president in 1960. And my sister, I didn't get to, but my sister got to shake his hand. Uh, so, yeah, those were very formative years. And I have a history in politics. My grandfather uh, was... Uh, Uh, in politics in Pennsylvania. Both my grandfathers were actually. And uh, so, yeah, so we go, I have a great story if you want to hear it about my grandmother. She got, she came, they came, big families back then. My grandmother had a sister and nine brothers, like a baseball team. And one of her brothers, uh, his name was uh, uh, Emanuel Phillips, but they called him Nip. Phillips. And I think because nip, nipped at the bottle maybe one too many times. And so that may have been his nickname. And anyway, he was running for some office. Uh, and uh, back then, and my grandmother was one of the poll workers. And lady came in and said, uh, I want I want Mrs. Mrs. Hibbert to come in with me when I vote. And back then, you know, you could do that. And she goes in uh, with my grandmother. And Says to my grandmother you know I don't like that nip Phillips he's no damn good I don't want to vote for him and my grandmother said well let's put an X next to his name <laughs> <laughs> so there you go okay. hey, hey whatever works <laughs> whatever works that's funny, that's funny. yep
0: and uh, did the I wonder did the RFK um, funeral, because didn't did, did he have a train procession I'm trying to remember from Robert history. Kennedy did yes yeah and it was and a it would,
1: long one from Wherever to wherever, and I'm just uh, wondering,
0: would that have come through where you were? No, it right? did not. It did not. Oh, no, okay. but I remember
1: watching it on TV. It gotcha. was a very moving, uh, 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 present. Uh, you know, when the train went by, signs everywhere, the whole shebang. So, it was really had an, an enormous impact uh, on all of us uh, when that happened. It was a crazy year, 1968. So, sure. Um, Well, let's let's
0: fast forward up to the present. Um, And uh, again, the theme kind of for this interview is people. Yeah. Um, So let's talk a bit about uh, behind the scenes folk, uh, both um, perhaps in your office and behind the scenes folk uh, on the council staff, uh, the folks who keep things working. Yeah. So is there anyone who you'd like to uh, highlight? either well, in your office or uh, in, you know, maybe council staff. You've, you've been there uh, for so long, you know uh, the folks who make the who keep the, the trains <laughs> running on time to stick with the train analogy. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, well, first of my staff is terrific. Uh, every member of my staff and my chief of staff, Jeanette Grant, all the way down, uh, do a great job. Uh, we uh, Ward 2 is a very, very uh, uh, large ward, uh, very diverse ward, and Each member of my staff covers a different neighborhood in the ward as well as the job they do at the council to make sure that uh, our residents are well served and heard from. And so uh, I just want to say that everyone on my staff does a terrific job. Um, We had some prior staff members, uh, one who comes to mind, Jeff Coudray, who was just terrific, uh, ran the committee. And uh, was was very well respected when we first had the finance committee, and uh, did a terrific job in uh, in making sure uh, that everything really worked really well. And, uh, and up until today, you know, uh, Ruth Warner on my staff who runs the finance committee now does a great job. And Dan, to our assistant Joe, my communications guy, is here with me today. Uh, couldn't be better. And uh, you know. Uh, uh, Serena and Amorty, and, and uh, Wendy's been with me since the beginning, uh, back in uh, 1990. And uh, Sinead, of course, my chief of staff. And uh, I don't want to leave anybody out now. I'm running through my mind now. Is anybody else on the staff? Right. Uh, but they all do a terrific job. And uh, at large, uh, we have a great, uh, you know, our secretary, Niasch, does a great job in in running the council now. She's been around a long time since i uh, worked with Carol Schwartz. And... Uh, uh, Phyllis Jones always pops to mind. Phyllis and I go back uh, back to the beginning with John Wilson and Phyllis was the secretary of the council for a long time with Linda Kropp. And um, frankly was there when the whole transition uh, of us losing and then getting the building back and renovating the building and moving into the building. So uh, Phyllis is a board 2 resident and still around and uh, was, is, was and is someone who uh, really played a critical instrumental role in uh, getting the the council to where it is today. So and I go on and on. I once you start Larry, oh my God, where would we be without Larry down there, you know? Oh yeah. Talk, I mean, talk right? about someone
0: who knows where the bodies are oh, buried. My goodness. He and, uh yeah, he, he, make, he makes me nervous because he, he, he doesn't drink the water from the sinks <laughs> right.
1: um, in the building. Because he says he saw
0: the pipes when the building was all uh, dug up. When the and, waters uh, were green. Yeah it makes <laughs> back in me the day. Uh, makes yeah. me nervous. So but, uh, anyway,
1: but I once you start mentioning names it gets all crazy. But yes, there's a yeah. lot of very Capable, And I think people who are behind the scenes that people just don't see who, who really make it work. Our security guards down there are terrific, always very friendly in the morning when you come in. You can just go on and on and on about uh, the crowd. So I, I've, I think the world of everybody who works down there and the hard work they put in that really makes this government work.
0: Sure. I had interactions with Phyllis on the uh, World War II memorial as oh, we yeah. were trying to rediscover what sure. it was. yeah. She worked super hard with that yeah. on uh, with Chairman Gray. Yeah. And then when we finally we figured out what it was and had it restored and yeah. reinstalled, she was so happy to see that mystery yeah. solved because it was one of the loose ends she didn't close out uh-huh, from uh-huh. when she was secretary.
1: Right, right.
0: So, uh and to any of the uh, council staff members that, that um, Council Member Evans mentioned, I make transcripts available, and you can take these comments to HR, and you get a voucher, and, oh. and then you can submit this for a bonus. For oh, your, is that right? <laughs> it's, it's a joke. I like that. Um, I wish, but it'd be good. Um, now, let's talk about uh, uh, community leaders, community leaders. Sure. I, I know it's always difficult if you name a name, but, you know, if you can... Um, you know, who who do you see as sort of a next generation of folks who are up and coming, who who you've seen some, some promise in, uh, you know, can be in the ward, can be citywide? Is there anyone who comes to mind?
1: Well, it, I have a lot of different roles I play. So starting with the uh, Ward 2, we have a lot of young people now in the ward, um, in the A&C areas, et cetera. Uh, and uh, uh, without naming names, yeah, I think the ward is uh, has... Uh, you know, really has, it's always been an active ward and has a lot of people who are very excited about the, uh, how the ward has grown and dealing with some of the issues in our ward. You know, ward two has uh, changed dramatically. We are the downtown surrounded by uh, uh, 11, six, depending you know, on how you name, name the neighborhoods, uh, 11 different neighborhoods. And uh, uh, Washington DC, when I first got there, was struggling and downtown was largely deserted and the neighborhoods were struggling as well, and yet today we're the most dynamic city in America. And so the downtown and the neighborhoods are really thriving. And we, because of that, we have issues dealing with affordability, with uh, homelessness, uh, et cetera, that we continue to uh, to deal with. And uh, our schools, again, when I first got on the council, only 4% of the residents of War II had any contact with the schools at all, and now we have children everywhere. It was over at uh, Stead Park at the Easter egg hunt and uh, we had 400 kids there uh, and so that was why we had this big battle recently the Banneker-Shaw battle About trying to get Shaw middle school, which is not in war two But was in war two uh, before the redistricting because we have so many kids from the feeder schools who are going to be in going into those schools so um, uh, Yeah, so the ward has changed dramatically and uh, and it's been a, a, a pleasure representing it and and I look forward to continuing to do so because we have so much uh, so much going on right now that uh, it's an exciting time.
0: Are you starting to get a sense of what uh, the next census might bring for the ward?
1: Well, It's hard to predict. In the past two censuses, so this would have been in 2000 and 2010, I was uh, very involved with that, along with Phil Mendelson and uh, Michael Brown. And there might have been one or two others people and surprisingly at in 2000 and 2010 Ward 2 ended up with the most people of any word in the city and you'd go no I thought it would have been Ward 4 or someplace like that but it wasn't it was Ward 2 and um, it showed you the migration of people back into the city and particularly into the downtown area so we ended up losing territory and unfortunately Ward 7 and 8 you know were losing people so they kind of moved westward and yeah uh, into ward 6 which then had to move into ward 2. So when I first got on the council, uh, we were driving out here today and I was pointing out to Joe. I came out to 8th and H Street Northeast. So when you are out H Street now where the trolley is, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all part of ward 2. Wow. And all the southwest was part of ward 2 and where the baseball stadium is in Southeast, was part of Ward 2. Sure. So we were, as Charles always says, I'm the only ward that has all four quadrants. Well, I was the only one for because he has half of my ward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ward 6 now. Um, the Wharf area and the baseball district have exploded with people, which were in Ward 6. Right. So it's hard, as you look at what's coming up in the next redistricting, have 7 and 8 continued to lose people or have they stabilized? And I just don't know that. And if so, will they then move further across the river into Ward 6, and does 6 have enough people to make it equal, or has 2 gained, and is there boundaries that needed to be changed? I fight for every street in my ward, so I hope no boundaries change, and frankly, I'd love to get Shaw back in my ward. Uh, It was an area that I really, really enjoyed representing. It was very sad when it was moved into Ward 6, so we'll see. We'll see what the uh, boundaries look like. Uh, It's always a big uh, discussion point, because nobody wants to change anything, and uh, unfortunately, the population dictates that we have to.
0: And six has picked up such height that yes, it it's has. going to be interesting yeah, to it'll see. Interesting. Yeah. It'll have to shrink, I would yeah. imagine. But
1: yeah, but you know, we'll see when we get the numbers and look at the maps and all that kind of stuff. So,
0: yeah, well, I know when people tune into radio shows, it's to listen about census redistricting. Yeah, and I know yeah. that's what people are listening to for their drive time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we probably shouldn't spend too much time on the census. Um, but I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, but um, another question, uh, talking about people, uh, is. Talk to us, I mean, you you have, uh, if you, I can't even imagine how you would do this to figure out the number of hours of hearings and legislative meetings and markups you have sat through. (laughs)
1: That's a good Uh, point. 28 uh, years times some number. I mean, it's just (laughs) breathtaking. Um,
0: And and I imagine it is hard to get, to not get callous to it, to to the stories, the stories of suffering and pain and sadness and uh, hard times. But from those years of listening, can do a couple examples come to mind that just you couldn't take it anymore, of just hearing the grief and the suffering uh, just got to you?
1: I, would, I wouldn't say no. That I would say no, that it never just got to me. I, I think the value of the hearings and, and the meetings and listening to people out in the community is um, being able to help them. And, and I would say that. I think the value of local government is being able to see the results of your actions. I have a lot of friends who have, were in local government and have gone on to national government. I, I always point out uh, some of my friends in Virginia, like uh, uh, Mark Warner, etc., who uh, loved being governor, et cetera, and have found themselves just trapped in gridlock on Capitol Hill, uh, even in very prestigious positions as, like senators, et cetera. And local politics, I always say, is the one place where you can walk out the door and say, with an exaggeration, but but for me, that wouldn't happen. You can see the results of your actions. And so when you talk about people who are struggling in need, whether they're homeless or they have substance abuse problems or alcohol problems or people who have tragedies have occurred in their life, um, to be in a position like I've been in to be able to help people is the most rewarding part of it. Uh, people forget that back in the day, it was myself and Adrian Fenty as a council member who resurrected the Housing Production Trust Fund. That is the basis of all affordable housing that's produced in the city right now. And, uh, and did the deed and recordation tax to fund it and then put a floor in it so when the economy turns south, we wouldn't lose money. You know, and in, uh, certainly in the uh, uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender uh, community, you know, I, the first bill I did when I got elected to the council in 1991 was sodomy repeal. People forget that. And it was an anathema, it failed. And I had to reintroduce it again, and it failed again. And it was only in the third time when the head of the Judiciary Committee uh, lost and was gone that we were able to get that passed. And so to champion uh, the rights of uh, gay, bisexual, transgender and bisexual people um, it has been such a uh, rewarding cause to have taken on, and as so I just said at a meeting the other day, um, you know we have to be overly vigilant because our rights can be taken away, and and that's something that's uh, very important. So no, it's been uh, it's been really um, a rewarding experience to have helped as many people as we've been able to do over the years.
0: But I but I have to push back. I mean, there have to be times as a human, as a father, where you're hearing. The testimony of a person and you know in the long run you're going to do your darndest to help them but where where you just the emotion of it has to hit you as a person
1: oh yeah and I think it it deals with children I mean that's the the part that hits me because Mm -hmm. uh, as you know my story I have uh, triplets three children and my wife died when they were six right and so having raised three children by myself and the triumphs the struggles and uh, triumphs and, uh, and tragedies that you go through is, is gut-wrenching. And so when children come to the council or I, more importantly on I'm the community and uh, the challenges they face and where the government lets them down where uh, after all these years and all the billions of dollars that we've spent that we still provide substandard education to our children which is the, the way for uh, children to, to escape the poverty and struggles that they're in and it, it infuriates me. It infuriates me. I sit in meetings and people go on and on and on and after an hour I'll say, well, what about the kids? Oh, it's all about the kids. But nobody's mentioned them in that last hour. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because they're arguing about the buildings and the salaries and this, that and the other thing. And so that I think is is what gets to me more than anything is uh, the failure of our government. We're doing better. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it used to be, but uh, still the failure of our government to provide for the children in our city. And. Uh, and, and, again, I know what it's like uh, with, with three children without a mother and all of the, uh, all of the struggles that you go through and uh, the pain that they suffer that you don't want them to, you know, that type of thing. So.
0: And, and, and the loss of children. Yes. I, mean, I don't want to see children suffer, but right. the thought of a parent losing a child is...
1: The worst thing in the world. I can't imagine that. Yeah, And that's what everyone ever says. If your child dies before you do, it's not the natural progression of things. And so that is a really, really uh, awful thing to have happen.
0: Yeah, and it happens all too often. Absolutely. Less than it did,
1: but. But 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 still, even one time is too many times.
0: Yeah. And and how do you how do you have that hit you enough that you keep fighting to change it? But how do you um, not let that get to you?
1: Well, I think you have to believe in the ultimate um, success and goodness of it all. That's why, because if you just keep working at it, you can be successful. And that's the uh, mantra I've always operated under. So, regardless of how bad it is or how uh, the circumstances are, you can have an effect and you just have to stay focused and, uh, and, and make, it, make it happen. And uh, you know, you hear me at the council a lot complaining that we spend a lot of money and don't get the results for it. And I always say to my colleagues, and they generally don't like to hear this, or the advocates, etc., we shouldn't celebrate the money that we spend. We should celebrate the results that come from the money that we spend. So at the end of the budget seasons, everybody's clapping because we added all this money to X, Y, and Z. But when we do the oversight hearings, I never hear anybody clapping that we did or did not accomplish what we were supposed to with the money. If we put all this money into housing, don't build any houses, what's the point? You know, or, and go on and on about other hot topics as well. So that's what I try to push us to do is celebrate the results, not the funding.
0: Right. I mean, that's why they're performance oversight hearings yes. and not spending oversight. It's performance. It's performance, yes. What matters.
1: How many houses did we build? Show right. me the houses. Exactly.
0: So I can see them. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, having uh, bottomed us out emotionally, let's let's go to something a little more hopefully enjoyable. Um, sure. Our 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 sort of fun closeout round, which I have to say your colleagues have enjoyed. Um, I'm going to name some uh, fun, strange little tasks, and I want you to tell me which of your current colleagues you would pick to tackle these tasks with, and explain why. Um, and the first one I will give you is assembling Ikea furniture. When you get one of those bookcases that comes in a box with obscure instructions and a pictogram, which of your current colleagues would you pick to do that with and <laughs> why?
1: Um. Phil, maybe, uh, the chairman, because he's a, a detail guy. <laughs> yes,
0: Phil, Phil then, is definitely winning the IKEA as bookshelf. A, uh, uh,
1: as a, in, a self-described nitpicker. Isn't that what he calls himself? <laughs> yes, yes. In, in his literature, he did. <laughs> and Vince Gray. Uh, Vince is a detail guy. Mm-hmm. You know, stays till 3 in the morning, dot in the I's, and crosses the T's. So uh, either of them I would... Uh, be happy to share an ikea box with if i could watch them do it <laughs> okay I'm, it's not I, I would not not need not your cup of tea not my cup of tea no i'd throw the box out yep <laughs>
0: okay now how about uh driving cross-country if you had to drive cross-country with one of your colleagues who would you pick oh that's
1: interesting uh drive cross. i like mary che uh, mary's i sit next to mary on the council mm-hmm. and she's uh smart very smart uh, very uh engaging in conversation I, I, I would enjoy her company as uh, as yes. you you do something that uh, that long um, I, I thought maybe ask who, who would you not want to drive cross country with or is that right. the next that, question that, that we'll ask that off air <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a couple I wouldn't want to drive across the country with but but Mary <laughs> would be uh, a good one uh, to to uh, do. Yeah,
0: that that I, I've seen periodically. You guys get your uh, your wrist slapped for a little bit too yeah, much cross talk too country Yeah, I Alyssa uh, is next to
1: Mary, and Alyssa's very interesting true, as well. True, true. So I enjoy uh, you guys uh, enjoy uh, her conversation, but I yeah. <laughs> think it's probably most of the people I enjoy uh, my colleagues, all of them, and so yeah. they all have a lot to offer. Uh, how
0: about compiling a musical playlist? Who would you? Uh, Oh, trust to do that.
1: Interesting, a musical playlist. So that you'd want to listen to. Uh, that I oh that I'd want to listen to. Well, that that, that knocks out all the young. Or that ones. you think you'd <laughs> learn something from. Let's put it that <laughs> way. That's interesting. Um, so I, again, I think Mary would be a good one because we're contemporaries. Uh, Vince Gray um, is. Uh, he and I uh, had a duet together one time um, of a song that I can't remember, but he might. And. Uh, um, Let's see, running down... Uh, who do you uh, think would push
0: push your boundaries a little, but enough where it well, wouldn't uh, ruin your day?
1: Anita's good. She's, uh, again, another contemporary who really enjoys uh, music. I'm running through the my colleagues, uh, you know, one, two, three, four. Well, look at uh, Kenyon uh, with the uh, go-go. He's mm-hmm. really uh, taking a lead on that. Mm-hmm. And I think so. He would be uh, a fun person to uh, do that. Um, so let's see, and... Uh, Robert white again he seems like a somebody who is very uh, entertaining and engaged in things of that nature so yeah yeah so, we have a good group okay. actually
0: okay let's let's do a couple more quickly and then we're then we're out sure. of time um, who would you uh, bring home to meet your family
1: oh I'd take any of them home you know uh, <laughs> I mean uh, I, all my colleagues I think my my family have met most of them uh, are really um, people who are engaged and really care about the city etc so uh, I can't jump, no, nobody jumps out in particular. I think they're all, all very uh, okay. good people.
0: Who would you trust to cook up a feast?
1: Uh, Vince Gray is a cook, I believe. I believe he is. Um, let me run this down. I don't know about me, I don't know about Mary. I think Mary's like me, we don't cook much. Uh, I don't know about Brandon. Maybe Brandon. I'm trying to remember if anybody's ever told me they do much uh cooking and just phil phil i think my, I yeah phil know, does yeah.
0: phil makes some tasty, some, some tasty waffles stuff. believe it or not yeah
1: he might be okay on that okay too uh, and la-
0: and last question that's my favorite fighting off barbarians which which colleague would you pick if you had to fight off a band of barbarians
1: uh, vince gray okay yeah me and vince are athletes and uh okay we've, uh, talked about that for years mm-hmm. and uh yeah we were both football players and uh and basketball players actually and he was a terrific baseball player uh, actually yep. uh mm-hmm. could have been a professional one and um i think if uh, uh and phil i think the other you know if they were coming over the in the game of thrones and uh they were <laughs> lining up towards uh the uh, night walkers were coming towards us you know mm-hmm. they would be uh good people that you could count on and and yeah somebody has your back. You know that's the other thing. Mary'd be another one too. Mary yeah. and I get, a, you know, people have your back that you mm-hmm. know you can count on when, uh, when uh, the when the dam breaks. So yep. yeah,
0: yeah. Mar- Mary Che is winning the yeah. the barbarian oh, Olympics yeah. well, so I far. A go. lot of people picked uh, picked Mary. Pick Mary well, and
1: Vince
0: and Phil and others. Yeah. So good. Well, uh, sadly we were out of time. Oh, you um, didn't get
1: my favorite uh, council member from the past.
0: Oh no, we ran out of it quickly. John Throw Wilson. John Wilson, well, though that I think I know. I think you mentioned it in a previous show. <laughs>
1: He's but. the other one on my, uh, the picture on my wall. Yeah. That, you know, and it shows you how fast uh, Famous Fleeting that uh, I, had, I had to put his name on the picture because people didn't know who he was. And I said, well, my gosh, that's the person in the building's named Ex- after it's Exactly. John Wilson. There's an <laughs> enormous portrait in the lobby. Yeah, how can that they thought him, was Bud but. Doggett because Bud paid for the portrait. And so it, it, there was a little plaque on the bottom that said, yep. I don't know, donated by Bud Doggett. And some guy was standing there one day and he goes, is that Bud Doggett? And I went, uh, no. Uh, so I called Bud and I said, Bud, <laughs> you got to put John's name on there because some guy just thought you were John. <laughs> and he did. That's why John's name is on there. It's uh, a true
0: story. True story. People need a little historic uh, perspective. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, well,
0: um, uh, listeners, thank you again yeah, for thank joining you. us. Thank you, That's council great. member, really for joining us. Yep. Um, And listeners, tune in again next time. We're at DC Radio at 96.3 on your HD4 dial at dcradio.gov. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. Thank you very much, Council Okay, thanks, Josh. Grateful. Thank you.